the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Love never inviting you to join the fight to end human trafficking. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern-day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly Set love, Set the captives free. Each week, Abolition Radio sheds light on the darkness of modern slavery, celebrates the work of abolitionists who are fighting for freedom, and equips the church to engage in the work of justice with hope rooted in God's Word. Our goal is to see a radio audience become an army of gospel activists. Now, here's the host of Abolition Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks, Dave, and welcome to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. We are so excited. First off, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mark Canoli, who has uh, written our theme song, Love Never Fails, and his artist, uh, Trinity. I am so excited about uh, showcasing the beautiful song that you guys have created and you will be hearing that um, going forward. So, again, thanks so much to Cannoli uh, Music. And we are really in, a tr- in for a treat today. Um, uh, but before I introduce my guest, I want to just give a shout out to my partner in justice, uh, Miss Benita Hopkins, who is uh, actually back home. For a family reunion, and uh, we just want to give her a shout out and 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 ask for her to return home to us safely. Um, we have in studio with us today a special guest who has a heart uh, for uh, children and a heart for the safety of children um, throughout the throughout the world internationally. And I'm going to tell you how she's putting that heart into action. Um, but just a little bit about her. She is an award-winning writer and producer who has a passion for transformative storytelling. Um, and she believes that that that, that is really uh, the cornerstone of her organization and her, her program, which is called Anderson Entertainment. Uh, her career has been as a writer and a, a producer for The View, uh, WNYW, and WNBC. And uh, she's won several awards, an Addy, two Gold Prox- Promax Awards, and a Bronze Telly Award, and eight Emmy nominations. Amazing. Um, and she's really a, a person that is about stirring the conversations amongst philanthropists, amongst nonprofit groups, and really in this vein, stirring a conversation as it relates to children and modern day slavery and the cross section between human trafficking and the enslavement of children. And so today we're going to learn more about a film project that she's been working on and her, um, you know, her charter and uh, Anderson Entertainment and ambassadors of hope welcome vera 
Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm so um, honored to have you and um, and 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 to talk about this uh, important issue of child enslavement. Absolutely. Um, and so before we dig into the, you know, the projects that you're working on and and some of your previous success and all these awards, and I'm very curious about the different works that you've been involved in. Tell me a little bit about you personally. Why 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 this issue? Why this film? Uh, for Vera. Sure. Um, some years back, I've, I sort of, my work world and uh, my faith sort of collided. Um, I was attending a church here in the Bay Area, and um, I joined the mission team, and I started doing missionary work. And um, then professionally, I was working on a project called Bay Area Proud. It's become pretty significant now in the Bay Area. And I would go out and meet different philanthropists from Orly Brown, who had um, single-handedly put all these kids through college. And then I would meet um, Alice Waters, who started the Edible Schoolyard. And it was just so impressive, all the work that they had done. Mm-hmm. And then specifically, um, Dr. Nalima Sabrawal, um, she has taken Silicon Valley technology to the most remote parts of India and um, so I was just inspired by all of these women doing incredible things. And I think when you're working in um, in the media and you have tons of stories coming in constantly and you're sitting in a dark edit bay pouring over all this footage, whether it's a tsunami or a flood or all kinds of different horrible disasters, um, personally, I found myself asking, what should I be doing next? Mm. You know, I mean, we're doing our work from day to day and pumping out content. And of course there's tons of important things that we can tell people how to help. And, but personally I felt like there was something more that I needed to be doing to help. Yes, yes, yes. And so you, um, I imagine you had this experience in the film industry and, um, these contacts in media and, and, uh, sounds like Hollywood and different venues and, you decided that you were going to use that as cross section. Your, I always like to say, what's in your hand? Right? Sure, sure. Um, I think that you know I had many talks with Doctor Sabrawal, and she would uh, say to me, "Vera, come to India with me. Come to India with me." And it always sounded so great, but having the actual time to go and that just never played out. And then, you know, some years down the road, it actually did play out. And she asked me to go, and I was able to go. And um, on that trip, I visited so many different charities with her from uh, works that she would do with the disabled. And we went from, you know, one place to another um, throughout the country. But um, I was just blown over, you know. Um, one day, I had just had breakfast, and I walked out to... Um, to the street, and I saw a little boy who must have gone through all the garbage from that morning, and he had a very primitive cart, and he was filling that cart with all of the remains from the, you know, from the breakfast, and it was little eggshells piled up and um, all kinds of plastic bottles. So he was recycling everything that, you know, people had just pretty much thrown away. And he was hard at work really early in the morning. And that just sort of stayed with me. And then during the course of my visit that time, um, I saw five-year-old kids 
working at construction sites. And I, I know that the parents were there to work, but they brought their children along. Mm-hmm. And whether or not they would pick up a uh, brick and carry it from one um, part of the site to the other, they were still there working. And so those images sort of stayed with me. They never really left me. Mm-hmm. And this project was born out of that, um, you know, um, Ambassadors of Hope is a feature film, and um, we're documenting India's child laborers and all the people, um, surprising people who are trying to emancipate them. Wow. Wow. Well, um, I too, so I, I, I want to go to India in the next year and also to the Philippines. I, I just feel this very strong um, need to go and uh, see with my own eyes what's happening there. And I'm a little scared to do that because I know how I am. I'm like, I went on a business trip to Indonesia and uh, people kept saying, go to the beach, go to the beach. And I know there's a ton of trafficking that happens yes. there at the beach and Bali. And I said, no, I will pack these kids in my luck, in my suitcase. I will, I will beat people back. With it's horrific. You know, I did, there's no way I could. So I really have to be prayed up and, and prepared um, to just like just like surrender to the Lord in that place and, and know that he is God in that, Absolutely. you know, with, with those little children, because it just it's heartbreaking. Um, so um, so so here you were, you had this eye opening experience in India um, with your mentor and she was taking you around and and you came back and. And, you know, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I, I want to hear, was there epiphany? Was there a, you know, what what was it that led you to Ambassadors of Hope? And even the name, um, you know, maybe a little bit about what is the mission and the objective of the film. So we'll come right back and we'll hear from Vera. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Again, we're in the studio today with Miss Vera Anderson. She's an award-winning writer and producer with a passion for storytelling. Uh, she has, is the founder of the organ- entertainment company, Anderson Entertainment, and um, she has an impressive career um, having written and produced for The View, w, uh, NW, uh, NYW, uh, WNBC, and a variety of awards she's won. And and she ha- is now putting a, all of that success into a ministry and a film, Ambassadors of Hope. And she's here to tell us about this film and why she thinks this film is, is, is something that we all need uh, to, to, to watch and to to know about and so tell us what is the the mission of the film sure one one of the main questions that we raise in the film is can american teenagers really change lives um young lives half a world away and through um meeting with dr sabrawal what i came to know is that after years of doing this work um she initially started this work to teach her children who were very privileged here in the bay area about um, some of the real issues in the world. So um, she started a youth chapter, 
And she was really concerned, you know, as she gets older and, you know, her team uh, gets older, what about the next generation? So she started sending young children um, to India, and um, they started to see remarkable things, really incredible results where kids had their own ideas about how they could help. Um, their main goal was to go in to teach English, and um, they ended up teaching English to the students, but the teachers as well. Hmm. So some of the really innovative things that had happened um, were just remarkable. You know, that one young man, 14 years old, Garbaz Singh, he went, and of course his, his goal there was to teach English, but as he started to meet kids, and some of these kids had been enslaved, and their work um, day was grueling. Um, their school life was incredible because they missed many years of school. So they were sort of catching up. Mm-hmm. And um, so, of course, when somebody from America comes and they give you this big plush um, computer center, you have to use it all, learn it all. Um, and uh, so Garbaz realized that they needed an outlet. They really don't have time to play. So he started a sports academy. So it's a 14-year-old boy from the Silicon Valley who's very skilled and adept at sports here. Um, But that was his gift and his talent, and he offered that. And um, through sports, he would play soccer and basketball and all these things with these kids. Um, And he was teaching English at the same time. And then he was learning about them. Um, They were sharing their stories And um, it was an an amazing exchange. And so he really was this little ambassador giving them little glimmers of hope and happiness. It was just something we take for granted is just uh, an afternoon to play. Yes. You know, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the ladies that are in our home. So I don't. Uh, I know that you were at Cornerstone when I presented some time ago, and uh, I don't know to what level we had uh, uh, advanced in our housing program, but um, we have in the last two years, we've opened four homes. Uh, We currently have two open, one in Sacramento County, one Alameda County, and uh, we have eight women right now and one child that we are providing services to, and uh, we or housing, safe housing, too, and a variety of other services. And when I think about their development and their contribution, I mean, in these homes, these women are so gifted, so talented. I mean, aside of having a professional acumen, but they're just innovative. uh, They're loving. Absolutely. They, They have all these things to offer. And I just thought, wow, if we could take them to India to first of all, look upon the challenges that others experience, because I think sometimes I, I don't know if, if you're like me, but sometimes I watch these shows and they're kind of depressing. And I think, you know, um, if that person can endure that, yes, I can surely endure this. And it just, I don't know. It's, it's maybe it's a little strange, but it helps me to go on to know that there are others that are suffering even more, uh, than I have or or currently am, and um, and that I can be a part of solving, you know, a problem for them and making their life easier. I think you're right, and I think that there's incredible inspiration there in some of the darkest places, mm-hmm. incredible joy that I've seen in some of these slum schools. Yeah, I mean, um, 
There was one uh, small area that we went to, and it's uh, pr- predominantly about uh, 200 families. And just going into that encampment, the stench is unbelievable. It really does knock you out. And you think, oh, my goodness, people are living here. Um, just tons of trash and garbage and just raw sewage running beneath your feet, you know. And um, and people are living here. And mm-hmm. then I go into this brightly colored small school, three rooms, and the children are just ebullient and greeting you and hugging you and so happy to be there. And so they know deep, deep pain and sorrow and struggle and and uh, hunger, you know, to put it at the most basic level. But they also have an incredible joy. Mm-hmm. And um, I have never seen an appreciation for education like that. Yes. Um, you know, um, one of the incredible success stories in the midst of all of this was a young boy, and he, um, his story is incredible. He would come to the school after having been kicked out of his home, he was at home with six other children and his family just couldn't afford to care for him anymore, and the school took him in. Now it's all these years later. He's a young man. He's getting his master's degree. And and companies, he's really well sought, sought after. Mm-hmm. And he's in this slum school with three rooms full of children, and he's teaching giving back. He's a very gifted math teacher. Mm. So his talents were brought to the forefront. Um, These programs from Home of Hope lifted him up and out of this poverty situation. So when you see the children there with so much happiness, so much joy, um, they've seen the success stories, too. They know. And, you know, one of the things this young man said to me when I when I was leaving um, and he says, please don't forget about us. Mm. And it just pulls How on your heart. You? How could you? Yeah, you just can't. You so can't. I, it's an uplifting thing for oh, anyone to experience. I love it. So one of the stats that's in your press release that um, we're going to post on our page, um, it was from June 5th, and it is titled Bringing Hope to Indians Disadvantaged Children. Uh, you state in their uh, stat that there are 12 million uh, working children in in India, 12 million working children, some as young as five years old. And uh, that's uh, that's a very uh, stated by the government. Right. But the NGOs actually say there's more like 60 million working children. Yes, absolutely. Um, our um, Nobel Peace Prize winner, um, Kalash Satarthi, he gets a number that is close to 60 million. And he is the leader in the forefront of um, being children from slavery. Um, And worldwide, we know that number is even much greater at 170 million. Right. So um, the number is huge. And um, it's, you know, all the more reason for all of us to find some way that we can participate in the freedom of these kids. Yeah. Um, Everyone can do something. And when you see children offering up their gifts and talents, whatever they may be, um, doing dance recitals, raising money to put kids through school. Yeah. It's um, really uplifting. 
Yeah. You know, when, when, when I was kind of having this moment as you were talking about thinking of the ladies, I thought about them. Wouldn't that be so cool that they would yes. raise money for a child to be able to go to school in India? Yes. Talk about global love. Talk about global impact. A survivor, a domestic survivor. Yes. Raising money so that a uh, a little child in India can go to school or and we have partners in Uganda and Ghana and in the Philippines, you know, whatever, you know, whatever the Lord places on their heart, but that they would know that there's something in their hand that they are uh, gifted to do to help one in need. Absolutely. I believe that God works in such mysterious ways. And um, I believe there's incredible comfort in generosity. Mm. Uh, and when you see the results of that generosity, um, like I said, this one young man that I've been friends with uh, on Facebook mm-hmm. for some time, he is now um, in a master's program and simultaneously um, doing vocational work at a computer school. I mean, he has incredible zeal. Mm-hmm. And every dime that's been invested in him has been well spent. Wow. Love it. All right. When when we come back, uh, we're going to talk a bit more about, uh, I'd like to actually want my favorite movie. Number one movie is Slumdog Millionaire. And I want to contrast that movie um, with what you saw and see if you've seen the movie. I want to have a discussion about is that real or, you know, is there a little bit of Hollywood going on? So when we come back, we'll hear from Vera Anderson. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Uh, We are in the studio again today with uh, Vera Anderson of Anderson Entertainment. She's telling us about her film, Ambassadors of Hope. Uh, And uh, you are based in Livermore, is that right? Yes, I am. So Bay Area uh, Entertainment Company that is focusing on the issue of child labor in India and ways in which uh, children in Silicon Valley can put uh, their hands to the plow and and support their brothers and sisters abroad. And uh, that's just so inspiring to me. I love it. I love it. Love it. Um, I do want to just kind of go back to the question I asked just before the break. So did you have you seen Slumdog Millionaire? Yes. Um, is that a fair depiction of what's going on in India from what you've seen? You know, I think that um, in, in areas like, uh, you know, big cities, the government is really working hard to um, fight child labor mm-hmm. and to not have it so much in the forefront. But in small villages, it's extremely visible. And let's put it uh, honestly, there are people who have children working in their homes, so they're out of sight, but they are working. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is it is there. If you go to the train stations, overrun by children for sure, mm-hmm. and they're all working kids. Mm-hmm. And then when we look at the numbers, um, 50% of children in India drop out of school after uh, primary mm-hmm. school. Mm-hmm. So they're, where are they? They right. are working. Yeah, so so mm-hmm. help me for a moment because mm-hmm. um, I always struggle with this, with labor trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and 
I'm, I'm just, this might not be very popular what I'm about to say, but I, I, I know that people are thinking it. So I want to put it on the table. Um, I've have new perspective on it since I've, you know, educated myself. But when I first started looking at labor trafficking, I, I, I rationalize, uh, you know, this, this whole notion of a child is working or a person is working for less than, um, a fair wage and said, well, they, they're getting something, they're getting some kind of income and the alternative is death. And, um, and so I don't want to interrupt what they got going, you know, because once mm-hmm. you raise the issue of, well, child labor is not a good thing or working for less than a fair wage is not a good thing. And you start to, uh, make a fuss, let's say with the government about that, then those industries are disturbed, um, many industries that were people are being highly abused and, and, you know, mistreated because it's not just that they're being underpaid, but they're, right. they're inhumane working, you know, situations and whatnot. Again, with what I learned now, but the, 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 the thing that I, I struggled with is how are they going to get their needs met otherwise? I think that's, a, that's a, certainly a big issue and a big concern, but maybe sometimes I feel like that's what God is calling us to do. Yeah. That we should not just turn a blind eye to this and yeah. not let the problem look so overwhelming. Um, you know, there's this um, saying from Nelson Mandela that it always seems impossible until it's done. Right. And um, one of the things that we are robbing um, these kids from, of course, is incredible futures, but we're also robbing society. Right. I mean, who knows what the hidden potential of these working children are? Oh, you know, endless. So, yeah, these are the next great minds of the world that are being stifled, maybe dying. Um, and so, I mean, I think the human capital is is what we're losing. We're There's the greater investment in um, the incredible human potential. And um, that's our responsibility. Yeah. Well, you know, one, one of our young ladies um, graduated from our program earlier this year. She was in, in our housing program for 18 months. When we got her, she had just, she had come directly from being exploited. And um, she is now a graduate that is reunified with her child and a great mom. And she just passed her real estate license test. And we're talking about 18 months. We're talking about living Mm -hmm. in Silicon Valley where the real estate market is hopping. We're talking about somebody who's going to be rolling, you know, somebody who's 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 um, got the gift of gab is personable, is beautiful to look at in all those things that you think about when you think of a real estate agent. She's got Mm -hmm. the stuff. And but she thought that that was to be used for exploitation, you know, because she had been victimized and here she had all this polish and, 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 you know, ability to be articulate. She's a poet. She's a beautiful speaker and she has this ability so that she can help people find their homes. And it's not just about, you know, the money she's going to make. She's really passionate about getting people in a home for their family. So it's just a win-win gifts all around. Yeah. Yes. But there you had this gem that was yes. out, yes, not knowing who she was and having society point its fingers and say, ah, you know, what can I do? Like you said, it always looks impossible until it's done. That's right. 
Yeah. Right. And then, you know, let's face it, we should feel responsible. What kind of world is it when we don't feel responsible and we know when you know children are literally, you know, dying in the streets and dying of starvation? Um, one of the groups, um, uh, it's a newspaper run by former uh, street children, and their goal is to save street t- children. Uh, we followed them. They're called um, Balaknama. We followed them uh, on their journey, and they have once uh, every couple of weeks or so, they do an open kitchen. Mm-hmm. And they prepare all of this food, and all these young kids come from miles around just to have a meal. Mm. And it just, you know, to think that this little bit of sustenance is just going to get them through the next day, but they know that they're all working kids who are going to come, and they just literally cook on the side of the road wow, and feed tons of children. So, um, you know, when we know these basic needs are not being met and we turn our heads away, mm-hmm. the, the problem doesn't go away. And um, they do have incredible gifts to give to the world. Incredible. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And so, so you know, if you're listening today and you're wondering, how can I uh, support this work that Vera is doing uh, and, this, you know, know, learn more about this film? Uh, I want you, Vera, if you could share your website just so we can start to get the listening audience there. Um, what is your Sure. Uh, Ambassadors of Hope Doc, D-O-C, dot com. Okay. Uh, and... Um, yeah, and you can email me at v-e-r-a-a-n-d at yahoo.com. And uh, we would just um, love your support, um, love for you to learn more about the project. And um, so many incredible um, young people doing amazing things, sharing their gifts. We yeah. have a 10-year-old girl in the Silicon Valley mm. who um, she was um, an artist since five years old. And she wanted to give a gift, and she didn't know what she could do. And one of her work um, as a little young artist has been able to um, help kids in India understand English. So if they were teaching the kids alphabets, she would draw all like a fish or a cat. And her art was used in um, these projects to explain to kids how to teach and how to learn English. So um, very, very simple gifts that became a big thing. It was mm-hmm. a brother and sister team. He had computer skills. She had art skills. They combined those skills, and they did a PowerPoint presentation for kids in India in a small slum school. Wow. That is so cool. See that? So, you know, it, and so we we welcome you to reach out to Vera and to um, lend your gifts to this fight for uh, love, fight for humanity. And um, and so we'll come right back where there's a few other things that I want to discuss specifically around the cross-section of labor and sex trafficking in, um, in India and um, the underlying issues around poverty. So we'll come right back, and thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Again, I want to give a shout out to Cannoli Music, 
uh, Mark Canoli and also Trinity Modugonda, who is the uh, artist singing on our new theme song, Love Never Fails, written by Mark Canoli of Canoli Music. Uh, and you're listening to that during the break. So super excited about that. And just, you know, I thought it was relevant given that she's an 11 year old that has lent her voice to this fight against human trafficking. Um, so, so amazing. Um, and so Vera, uh, just thinking a little bit about, you know, the cross section of human trafficking and child slavery and specifically around human trafficking um, and breaking that out into labor and sex trafficking. When you um, ha- engaged with the children, um, did you also observe sex trafficking going on there? And uh, was there any pointed contrast between the ways in which people behaved or were treated in, in, in both of those areas? Sure. Um, one of our experiences, um, we followed um, a, a woman who started more than 13 orphanages in India. Okay. And um, her experience is that she would get a call any time of day or night and she would go out and um, she would um, bring those children from the police station wherever they found them to her orphanage. And um, so there, there was a mix of whether children had been enslaved or whether they had been sex trafficked, there was a huge mix of issues that she would be dealing with. And one of the things that um, she noticed was the real need for uh, mental health. Mm. And so um, she employed um, psychiatrists, psychologists, to um, create a program within these orphanages to sort of suss out the different types of traumas that each of these children had gone through because they needed very specific care. Mm-hmm. And so um, the I would say that from what I've seen and, and some of the work that these professionals are doing, they are looking for um, all of the real specific problems that children have been in, engaged in. And, and we know that when children are enslaved, there's a huge number of them that are sexually abused. Yeah. Um, we know that, um, uh, you know, recently there was a ratification to a couple of um, conventions where the definition of um, what a, a, an abused child had even had to change because, uh, ironically, um, children who were sexually abused were not categorized in that definition. Oh. So there's lots of things within the government that have changed and mm-hmm. um but definitely I would say I have seen where specific care is given to um each child's problem. Okay. And um uh in these organizations that I'm dealing with, these yeah. NGOs. So um no, absolutely. We do know that a large number of these enslaved children are indeed sex slaves. Okay. So it's kind of a cross. What, what we found is uh, there we have cases where um, a person is that's labor trafficked is also sex trafficked. Yes. Um, it looks a little different what, than um, the kind of trafficking domestically that we mostly deal with. And what I mean by that is you might have someone who's doing domestic care, um, like caring for children, mm-hmm. care, you know, cleaning the home and is also as part of their their payment, which is much less than they are supposed to receive, uh, they have to have sex with, uh, you know, one of the people in the home or multiple people in the home. So that's a 
uh, that's an example of a combination of labor trafficking and sex trafficking all wrapped in one. Oh, my word. Versus, you know, someone who's being trafficked by an exploiter on a street corner or right. being sold online. That's sort of a different experience. And um, I make that I make that distinction because people might not always understand that uh, there's a very different dynamic when um, and the way that you kind of see the world and maybe things that trigger you when you're in a home, you're caring for children that you love, that you care for that you want to see safe, you're caring for a home, you're cleaning the home, uh, you're being paid something, but probably not, you know, you're being underpaid, um, which is, you know, a very important piece of being labor trafficked. Um, you may be malnourished. You may not be allowed to eat as much as you would like. Um, you're certainly not able to come and go as you'd like, and uh, you're not able to communicate with your family and friends as you'd like. Uh and and you're not you you know many instances you're not receiving the beautification gifts that someone who's actively being sold on the street and online is receiving so it's just a very different experience and so that's why I was asking that question is you know how do you see those sort of marry up and in internationally and if you observed any difference but uh, in, domestically there's a there's a pointed difference in the way um, the person um, talks about their experience and the different things that trigger them and also the different things that um, make them safe. You know, like we have some pretty stringent security uh, measures that we do in our house. Mm-hmm. Because most of the people have been trafficked by an exploiter. And when they're in that scenario, exploiters are usually looking for them because they view that they, them as their property versus someone mm-hmm. who is in a domestic servitude scenario, it's a little bit different. It's more like a domestic violence scenario where, um, you know, yes, there is a view of the person in an objective way, but not, I don't think the, the person is oftentimes as uh, aggressively um, looking for their, their, their property. Um, now there's always exceptions to the rule, but um, that's at least what I've observed nine times out of 10. So I was just curious if uh, you noticed any contrast in that way. Sure. Well, I would say with my interaction with the children is predominantly through schools. Okay. And we haven't really gone to homes, but... Um, I see. Yeah. So, okay. so it's very different. But I know in talking to people who run the schools and who have encountered these issues that they are really working hard to um, take these stigmas off of these children who f- who feel very much labeled and, yeah. um, you know, downtrodden, not just by poverty, but these incidents of abuse and um, uh, misuse. Um, so the environment in the schools is one of we are putting all of these things in our past. Yeah. You know, we are looking forward. You have a bright future. Um, you are confident and capable. And so it's one of building up the yeah. esteem of these of these kids. That's right. And, and but I do know that there are um, systems in place inside of the orphanages and inside of the schools to help um, to make these homes um, stable and, um, you know, nurturing homes and even programs for parents. Yeah. We have seen lots of women who are 
while the children are enrolled in a program at school, the moms are also enrolled in vocational training. Gotcha. So yeah. we're bringing the whole family up and we're getting them the the mental health care that they need to learn how to become stronger and and to really put those things in their past um, because we they want them to be defined as really strong, capable um, young people. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And so really you're. What I hear you saying is that you're really the an ambassador for hope of of hope and uh, and uh, in the in a place where hope is even uh, imaginable because uh, when you're in the middle of a you know the red light district yes. or you know a brothel um, there it's let's get you to safety I mean yeah there, there's hope but um, it, there's a lot of triage and a lot of stabilization that has to happen. And then when they come into this school setting, there's this, okay, here we go. We're, we're, we're moving into your future and, uh, and providing an, a platform for Silicon Valley children to come in and, uh, and, and illuminate that um, opportunity. Yes, I love it. It's, it's, it's perfect. So we're going to come back. There's, a, there's some events in the community. Um, we'll hear some more about things that Love Never Fails is offering to you all. And thank you for listening to Abolition Radio. We'll be back with more Abolition Radio right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Abolition Radio, where you are invited to join the fight against human trafficking. And welcome back to Abolition Radio, the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails. Again, we're in the studio today with Vera Anderson of Anderson Entertainment. She is uh, about to launch a beautiful film called uh, Ambassador, a feature film called Ambassadors of Hope. And her message is one that um, pricks the heart of, of us, of, of those in, in our midst of young people uh, who have gifts to bear to help those in India, those, those children that are enslaved in India. So I urge you to support her and her work and your website again. It's ambassadors of hope, doc, D O C.com. Uh, and, uh, you can reach me through email V E R E N D at yahoo.com. And we'd love to hear from, you know, poor children often grow up to be poor adults. And so we're trying to change that cycle. We are, you know, have, as we said, kids offering all kinds of skills and we've captured it. And uh, we're 80 percent through our project in terms of shooting. And we have about 20 percent more left to go. So we could use your help and your gifts, your talents. Um, We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, we do have several areas uh, from a Love Never Fail standpoint. What would love for you to join us uh, on in some upcoming events? Of course, we have our volunteer orientation, which is the third Tuesday of the month in, coming up here in August. And it's from 7 to 8 at our community store, which is double portion. It's uh, 22580 Grand Street in Hayward. Of course, if you have any um, goodies that you'd like to donate to us, we do have um, we have several of our uh, survivor leaders working there at the store. And uh, that is how we employ them. And so supporting uh, the store means you're supporting, actively supporting a survivor and getting back to the workforce or maybe being introduced to the workforce for the first time. 
Um, and we do have um, not just women in our homes, but also some of our young men work at the store. So uh, super excited about that. We also have a career closet um, that we are developing in partnership with La Familia. And we welcome you to donate your your suits and your business attire to us um, for the foster youth and the system involved youth and teenage parents that are trying to get back to work. So please do drop those off uh, 10 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday or our hours. Again, that's 22580 Grand Street. Uh, we also want to invite you out on our street outreach, which is the third Saturday of uh, August from 7 p.m. to midnight. We'll be meeting at Manor Boulevard, 577 Manor Boulevard in San Leandro. That's Faith Fellowship Church. And you can reach out to streets. That That's S-T-R-E-E-T-S at loveneverfailsus.com for more information. That's Angela. Whoop, whoop. Hi, Angela. And um, also want to invite you to um, join us for our corporate prayer every Sunday, 8 to 9 p.m. And the number is 641-715-3580. And the access code is 610975. That is a free conference call line. So if you have Metro, it will not work. Sorry about that. But uh, just a heads up if you do try to give us a call and uh, or join us. And we would love your prayers. Uh, we do have an ongoing call to prayer. And so we ask you to uh, reach out to our prayer leader, Chantel Alvarez, if you want to get more involved in that. And she is at prayer at loveneverfailsus.com. That's a, um, uh, a regular pr- time of prayer and fasting uh, that we do to keep um, keep going and to sustain us, Lord. <laughs> we need your help and we need you to agree with us uh, as a listening audience and our brothers and sisters out there. Um, we also uh, want to call to your attention. There are two things that we need for our IM houses um, pretty urgently. We need new bedding and towels. And so if you have a heart to contribute to that, we actually have uh, posted a flip cause uh, campaign on our website and that's love never fails us.com. Please do support that work. If you have new linens that you want to donate to us, uh, we would really like to get um, new linens and towels for our ladies in the home. Um, we also want to uh, thank uh, the Cisco Christian um uh, a community that has uh, hosted us for an event recently and actually packaged up a whole bunch of giveaway um, uh, street outreach bags and a welcome kits for our ladies that are coming in the homes. We just really appreciate you guys. They actually gave us a hundred kits. So we're doing really well there and some message Bibles. Uh, if you have a heart to donate Bibles to us, we, we definitely would love uh, specifically the message translation because it's easier for people who are new uh, new to reading the Bible to understand. And um, and also um, we we encourage you. Uh, we have a need for transportation for our ladies. They're getting back to work. They're going to school. They're actually several of them are enrolled at different schools in the Bay Area and they need bus passes and bus passes are forty five dollars a month. So if you want to sponsor one of our ladies, jump on our website and uh, donate $45 a month. And then lastly, we want to urge you to become one of the million ways that you can solve human trafficking by donating $1 a month. Um, just $1 a month. We, th- we figure if a million of you would do that, we'd have $12 million a year. We'd be able to um, 
we'd be able to open all, uh, you know, uh, several homes. Uh, I actually did the math. I could share that with you next week if you want to hear <laughs> my grandiose plan. But there is a plan and uh, there is a provider. And I pray that you will be in agreement with him in that. So, uh, of course, we're as we come to a close, I want to thank you, Vera, once again. Thank you. And I want to just say to those of you that are listening that you have a gift. You have a gift. Put it to good use. And thank God for giving it to you. And I I want you to know that if you haven't heard it here before, that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Abolition Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and survival and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at abolitionradio.org, by liking and sharing our page on Facebook, Facebook slash Abolition Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. Abolition Radio is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported, nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in sex trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to abolitionradio.org and click on Love Never Fails. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries and with major support from the staff and membership and donors at Faith Fellowship Church. On behalf of Vanessa, Benita, and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thanks for listening, and thanks even more for taking action to help set captives free. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.